Welcome to the Commonweal Theatre Podcast. I'm Josiah Laubenstein, and today we've got a great interview with Commonweal's very own Ben Gorman, who is performing in a one-man show, An Iliad, back by popular demand for one performance only in Lanesboro on Sunday, January 19th at 1.30 p.m. Ben and I talk about performing in a one-person show, how he feels like this show sort of picked him, his upcoming tour of an Iliad, and much, much more. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for the inaugural Commonwealth Theater podcast. I'm here with Ben Gorman. He is a longtime company member, actor, and graphic designer here at the Commonwealth Theater. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good yeah. to be here. Good. Good to have you here. So we're trying this podcast out for the first time, and we brought Ben in to talk about acting and shamelessly plug his upcoming production of The Iliad, <laughs> which uh, I believe is this uh, two Sundays from now on January 19th at 1.30 p.m. Yes, we will be having a back by popular demand uh, <laughs> command performance of the show that we had uh, mounted originally in August of last year. That's pretty good. Back by popular demand. You don't get that all the time. No, you don't. But when, you're, when your run is only seven shows and the house only had 26 seats, um, you know, that can happen. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it sounds good. It just it makes it sound very official. It does, yeah. <laughs> Back by popular demand. So tell us a little bit about an Iliad. I mean, this is like, what, a 90-minute, 75-minute? How long is this? Uh, running time, the way I've been doing it, it's been about 107 or 8 minutes. 107 or 8 minutes, and just you. Just me, yeah. It's just words, words, words. <laughs> that is a lot of words. How do you, as an actor, how do you approach something like this? Like, as opposed to a normal show where you can play off of people. I mean, like, what, what is it just daunting? It, it, it is a little bit, but because I had a strong, passionate interest in this piece when I first read it, it, I was driven forward to do it. So there was not like, oh, well, here's an assignment. This is what you're going to have to do. Start working on it. It was more like... I, I read the play at uh, Megan Pence's suggestion, former longtime uh, Commonweal Ensemble, resident ensemble member Megan Pence. Uh, and I, as soon as I read it, I was like, I- I've got to do this. This is so great. This is such a fabulous piece of theater. So I was driven to go through it. And it was just a question of starting the memorization, just start working. So, yeah, what, what, what makes you so passionate about it? Like, what pulled you in as you're reading it? What draws you to a play like this? Uh, for me, it's it's probably a combination of of wanting to do something that was next level for me, wanting the challenge and okay. wanting to take on this particular challenge. A one-man show. I've never done a one-man show before. It's my okay. first one-man show. And the themes and uh, subjects of this story. So an Iliad is based on Homer's Iliad. Yeah. And it is a telling of the war story of the Iliad, but with a modern commentary, a modern perspective on warfare and on this particular war. And I just found it engaging and fascinating. And I haven't, I have to admit, I've never read the Iliad, although I have, (laughs) I bought a copy of the book right away and started looking up, um, you know, information about pronunciations and 
yeah. and getting ready to read it. I keep promising myself that I'm going to read it. And I have read uh, deep into the introduction. This is the Robert Fagel's translation, which is what this play, An Iliad, is based it's on. It's got to be like... Six, seven hundred pages. I mean, it's it's a hefty tome. Yeah, it's right? it's huge, thick, <laughs> thick play. And I I do intend to read it. My high school humanities teacher Audrey Jakes had said, "You cannot claim to be educated if you have not read the Iliad." So Ooh. I am still an uneducated man in his fifties. You know, I I might also be an uneducated man because I don't think I've read the Iliad either. Yeah, mm. see, most people. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mrs. Jakes. I'm sorry. <laughs> made a, made, made a big mistake here. Um, did you know anything about like Greek Roman mythology before? I mean, was that something part of what drew you, or was it more the modern commentary on warfare side of things? More the more it's modern relation to war and warfare, which uh, is a is an important theme to me. I was raised by a father who was great generation World War Two, uh, fought in World War Two as a bomber pilot, um, but he didn't like to talk about the war. But that was. You know, that was there, it was an unspoken thing, you know. And we were raised uh, in very, you know, middle-class waspy kind of way with uh, an awareness of Greek mythology. We had, uh, I think it was Dolaire's uh, big book of Greek myths with all the, you know, the wonderful paintings inside there of various, various myths. And I would, you know, as kids, we all, my siblings and I all went through that book a lot. So I had a, you know, sort of a, a general familiarity with Greek mythology, and the and the Trojan War and the Iliad was something that you know you always knew about growing up. It's like okay, this is a thing. This is a piece of history. It's a piece of literature, yeah. you know. And so that was always there as a background. And putting that together, that that basic awareness with the subject of warfare and humankind's obsession with warfare, is just like bing. Yeah. To me. It's interesting you mentioned, and I know that a lot of people who were in wars have trouble, difficulty speaking about them. Yes. Uh, it, it's very interesting in the play, because I've seen the play, uh, your character has a hard time sort of putting things into words too at the beginning, and his is sort of like calling on the gods to do it. But is there some sort of like connection there with like the difficulty of talking about war? I mean, just that there is, it's a such a heavy, weighty subject, how do we even do it justice? Yeah, I think, I think that is in there. It's interesting that you bring this up because we had a couple of veterans come to see the, the yeah. run uh, in August and were, were impressed and moved by it. And had, I had chats with them, and one guy wrote, wrote a letter about his experience and how it affected the rest of his life, his experience. Yeah. This is a senior gentleman who'd been in... Um, I think it was Vietnam, and yeah. talked about how it had affected the rest of his life. There is a strong reluctance among many veterans, at least of you know past generations, and, and probably today too. I, I imagine I don't know any. I don't think I know very many, you know, current war veterans of younger ages. But my dad didn't want to talk about it, and I think that the the character in the play, the he's called the poet. He's never named. His reluctance is in part is in part that the subject is very harsh and heavy to deal with, but also it's been a long time. We sort of assume that he's um, essentially immortal and was around for the original events, and it depends on how you read the text. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's lost a lot of 
his memories of things and they're coming back as he tells a story so there's a sort of halting beginning to getting into the storytelling. But I imagine that as a veteran, which I, I believe him to be, I believe the poet to be a veteran mm -hmm. of wars, uh, that he, he doesn't like to just jump in and talk about that. But the reason that he's telling this tale now to this particular audience is because he needs to tell the tale. So he's driven himself to get this, to get this piece told. Yeah. Uh, so now that you've, I mean, like you've tackled this one person show, is there, is there a big difference between this and like a regular show? Like, have you found that there's, uh, it's harder to do a one person show, it's easier to do a one person show? I mean, what's... Well, I guess in some ways it's easier because, you know, I can, I, all of the time is about what I'm doing to get ready for the show. So the <laughs> rehearsals are all about me doing this piece. They're all about you. <laughs> yeah, it's all about me. It's all about me. That must be very rewarding it for is. you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, it's different from a, a regular show because I miss the interaction. I mean, doing a show, yeah. one of the favorite parts for many actors, I find this true, is not is not having it finally up and performing it, although obviously actors enjoy that, but a lot of people get their most jollies out of doing the rehearsal because they're interacting with each other, they're discovering things, they're figuring things out, they're trying things and that didn't work and then we try this and that worked. And that interaction was only between me and the director, yeah. really, which was great. Megan was a fantastic director for this and the real challenges are about how I can get myself to get the words out and remember everything and keep the story straight. But it's a different kind of a, a theatrical experience for me, a different kind of a rehearsal process. Yeah. Because I, I don't have nearly the same kind of interactions. It's just about me and my memory <laughs> and me and the director. Well, and every time you're discovering something with the director, the action has stopped. You know, it's not in the scene that you get to discover something with someone else. Because the director has to be like, hey, can right. you try this out? Can you stop there for a right. second? And yeah. then try it this way. You don't really get to... It's only me and my imagination as I'm working <laughs> in a scene. It's like, well, let's try it this way. Oh, that was interesting. Good job, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have... I mean, this is for the actors listening out there. Do you have like a method that you follow? I mean, are you Stanislavski or Meisner? Or what's... what? Do you have like a acting methodology or something like that that you you bring, or is it just kind of like bits and pieces that you've picked up along the way? It would be more bits and pieces, because I didn't get thorough or serious actor's training. Most of my training has been just from doing it over many years. Yeah. I mean, I got a, I've got a bachelor's degree that says theater arts on it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, that's all you need. Right? That's all you need, right? I bought it at a... Uh, at a <laughs> no, I, uh, I studied... Really, I was studying filmmaking, so my, my, okay. my theater arts degree is really... Uh, Theater arts with an emphasis in film studies, <laughs> but I, you know, I did a, I did a bit of theater while I was in college, but I wasn't, you know, I don't have the training that a lot of uh, grad students would be getting, and sure, I sure. miss that a lot of times. But I also have a lot of on-the-job training that has informed the way that I approach things. Right. And I, you know, I for myself, I appreciate a, a very collaborative environment. Um, I don't like. For example, a dictatorial director says, we're going to do this, this, and this, and there's no discovery for you. I know what I want. Uh, and so, fortunately for this production, Megan and I were both good collaborators, and we worked really well together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for a method, I don't really have a specific, like, way I approach things. I mean, you, this, 
with this piece, there was a lot more staying with my nose in the script because I obviously had to pull, you know, plug a lot of lines into my brain. Yeah. <clears throat> so I kept going them? over and over. I never did. I counted the pages because I wanted to know, uh, as I was pacing myself, like how long do I have to get finished with this before rehearsals start? Because I wanted to be ready, you know, mostly memorized before rehearsals. And I, I was counting the number of pages and the, you know, the way that it was double spaced typing. And I was like, okay, so I got, you know, 58 and a half pages or whatever it was. <laughs> And I got to get through this many pages in this many days, which means this many pages per day. And at times I would do that, I'd drive myself nuts, like, oh my God, I got to do a half a page a day. Can I memorize a half a page a day? <laughs> sure, I can do it. No, can I do that? And that was, <laughs> I should have spent a little less time looking at that, I think. <laughs> yeah, you maybe, maybe didn't set yourself up for, for success with that. No, mentality. no. <laughs> it got a little scary at the end there before <laughs> Megan was, was due to come, up, uh, come back up from, from her grad school and from Florida and start rehearsals I'm like, oh my God, I gotta be ready, I gotta go faster. <laughs> so do you feel like you've retained a lot of it? Because you're remounting it, right? Because it's backed by popular demand. Yes. So you've, you've sort of let it sit for what, like two months, three like, months? Like August, September, October, November, so three, four months. Yeah. Yeah. Is it coming back easy? I mean, you're working on it now. It is. Most yeah. of it's there. I've had uh, a couple of run-throughs. Hal has been kind enough to uh, sit on book for me when, uh, when he could, and I've been just you know sticking my nose in the book uh, frequently. Um, and there's a couple rusty parts, but mostly it's there, which is great. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like, thank you, memory, you're still working. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, you've got a tour coming up for this. Tell us about that. I oh, like, yes. This is very exciting. Yeah. I've uh, wanted to share this with as many people as I can because I think it's a really important and powerful and uh, timely piece of theater. So I thought first of places where I have lived previous prior to, to coming here to Lanesboro and theaters that I've worked for and theater people that I know. And I thought, okay, well, let me start there. And so I've got a, f a few places lined up where I used to live. So I came here from Columbus, Ohio, mm -hmm. and I have a, there's a big theater crowd there. And the last theater that I had worked most frequently at there um, was a, uh, a semi-pro theater there called Columbus Civic. Mm. Uh, and Richard Albert there had agreed to, yeah, we'll, we'll put you up. We'll do a show here. It'll be great. So I've got one performance possibly two, but at least one performance lined up there. I'm trying for another one in Columbus with some other people at a different location. And I've got one lined up in, uh, with a friend of mine uh, who is really a patron of the arts. He's not really a super big theater person, but he's like a great friend of mine. He came to see the show. He came up from Texas to see the show in August. Wow, and he's helping set up a show in his town in Texas. And I'm working on a couple of others in Arizona and Washington State. Okay. So at the end of this tour, that'll be five states total, maybe more. Uh, possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else. I was trying. I was thinking for California too, but hey. I, that, nothing has panned out yet down okay. there. So. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Have you ever toured before? I have toured before. Uh, I haven't done anything quite like this because I went on a fully supported tour. Uh, I was hired by the American Shakespeare Center, uh, based in Stanton, Virginia for the 2014-2015 touring uh, season was called the Method in Madness Tour because we did, among other things, Hamlet. Um, and that was a, you know, we all did 
contribute work, you know, unloading the truck, you know, loading out right. the costumes, setting up the, the little sort of set piece that we use. Uh, but it was fully supported, you know, hotels, everything booked, and we didn't have to do any of the tour organization as the actors. We just had to schlep. <laughs> you know, yeah. actors are always <laughs> schlepping, right? Uh, but, but this is, like, on my own, mostly trying to get things organized with the sites. And the, I am not an organizer. I am, <laughs> I am known for not good organizational skills. Uh, so I'm trying really hard to make this actually work and be sure that I've written the dates down in the correct order and everything. Yeah, organization is like... 90% of the battle sometimes, you know, just like keeping everything straight. I know. If somebody isn't watching me, what I'm doing, I'm liable to make big mistakes a lot. <laughs> well, this is, you're learning on this tour then. This is like a learning experience. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Trial by fire. And I had uh, some great advice from a, a friend of mine, a, th a theater practitioner who uh, used to do one-man shows oh, yeah. in this region and had, you know, they gotten around a fair amount in the, in the area, and he had all sorts of advice about how you go about, you know, who you talk to, what kind of deals you make, like who gets the door, how do you split this, you know, how do you cover royalties, and uh -huh. he's like giving me some great advice, I'm like, oh, okay, this is really wonderful, although for the purposes of this particular out-of-state tour, it's more about making sure my friends get to see me in the show, <laughs> so I'm not sure how profitable it's going to be, <laughs> but uh, Commonweal has been... Uh, very helpful in helping make this happen and also insisting that we have some things like contracts and that, you know, I try to get a minimum amount of money back and that's sort a of thing. Contracts. So I'm trying to be things. honest. <laughs> oh, man. That's like the whole other world of theater that as an actor, I mean, now I'm an actor administrator here at the Commonwealth, but like as a, just an actor, you don't ever think about. Yeah, the stuff you the never sort of see that's going aspect, on behind the, yeah. the contracts, the, all that. And so you're kind of getting like a crash course in all that. Yeah. Yeah, that is. And I had to, you know, have some input into the contract to make it work <laughs> the way that I want it to. Uh, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in there prominently as a guarantor to make sure things happen. Uh, and this is because, you know, this is Commonweal's, in a way, this is Commonweal doing me a, a, a solid by allowing me to take this tour when it isn't really in their best interest. And, you know, they, we just have to be sure they don't lose any money in the process right. of doing it. Did, did you ask for anything crazy in your contract? Did I you, need my own dressing room. Yeah, I need like, to be a minimum of 150 square feet with... <laughs> Any, like, real actor demands, you know, I need... No, I, I haven't had the gumption to put that in there yet, but maybe I should think next about Next time, that. next yeah. time, you know, you never know what you could get. I mean, people ask for crazy things. Well, there is a further opportunity because we're going to take this show later in the year, I hope, to other locations around the state or the region. This is a hmm. really great show to just take off and do a one-off show for a day, right. you know. Uh, and there, there are many locations around the state which would, I think, really like to have this kind of show. Schools are really, it's, it's really good for universities and schools and colleges. Yeah. We did have some high school kids come and see the show from a, a private uh, high school in, uh, I think it was the Mankato area. Okay. Their, their teacher, one of their professors had come and seen the show, really liked it and recommended it to his students, and a couple, uh, three of the students you know, wrangled a parent into driving them down and coming to see the show. So it's it's a good it's a good thing for schools and universities, I think, because of the tie-in. It's a it's an arts and humanities crossover. Mm -hmm. You know, the Iliad is the humanities, and you know, theater arts is it's just a great 
a tandem kind of a, a piece. Well, and also I feel like I feel like it's a very flexible. I mean, the set is very minimal, but I feel like I could see this being in a huge hall, you know, with 600 to 1,000 seats. And I also feel like it could be performed as, as you performed it earlier, which was a 20-seat house. I mean, it just feels like it has a lot of flexibility. It does. It as really I think does. a lot of Greek and Shakespeare sort of lends itself to flexible size. Yeah. I saw it uh, performed only once uh myself and that was at Utah Shakespeare Festival did it in the summer of 2018 and the artistic director Brian Vaughn did it there which was like a real major undertaking for a guy in that position yeah. running a multi-million dollar theater <laughs> outfit uh, but he did it and he did a great job and it was in a large proscenium space one of the several spaces that uh, that Utah Shakespeare uses on the campus of the university there <clears throat> and it was um, it, it worked I mean it was the space lent itself. It worked well. I'm a, I'm a little leery of it being in a huge space because it does have a, a strong intimacy and it's direct address. The, the poet is talking specifically to the audience and mm -hmm. I think it, it could lose a little something if the house is too big. The house wasn't full at the show that I saw. There were you know several hundred people, but it wasn't a full house. It was like a, I don't know, 1,500-seat proscenium okay. space or something like that. It was a big space. Did, did you see it after you'd read it or before you'd read it? Like, did you know you were going to do this when you saw it? Uh, I, I knew that I would be doing it when I saw it, yeah. Okay. I, I had first read it and was amazed and wanted to do it. And I don't know if we'd locked down our... I think we'd started to make plans for the for the production, but I don't know if Megan was on board at that point. I think she was, because she was, when she handed me the play and said, you should read this, she said, and I'll direct you in it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm totally for it, because she had directed me in here at Commonweal in The Elephant Man and Christmas Carol. So you, um, you'd been working, you had worked yeah. with her a bunch of times. Yeah, and she, I, don't, I trust her direction. I really like what she does, and, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I'm, I'm on board whenever we can land this project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, when are you going to do your one-man show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, I, I've never done a one-man... Well, no, that's not true. I, in grad school, my thesis was a one-person show. We had to write and direct and act in a 20-minute one-person show. Mm. So that was our thesis. And then we sort of, like, wrote a paper about it afterwards. But I never turned it into anything longer than that 20-minute... Do you think it has potential to develop into something bigger? Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> tricky when you're doing when you're doing all the creation and you know like uh, all yourself. It feels a little like I don't know if I want to write my own one person show. I've never I've never been as attracted to the one person show because I think like you said, uh, the relationships on stage is what you're drawn to as what I'm yeah. drawn to as an actor. Yeah. Um, but it was it, I mean. It, it really is interesting because it's just you on stage and you look at the audience and you know that it, the play is only going to progress or move forward if you're doing something, which is kind of an interesting way to feel because, right. you know, if I don't say a line on stage in a show, you know, in like Holmes and Watson or something like that, when I, when I uh, understudied, someone was going to cover for me. I had, there were plenty of people on stage who were going to cover for me. Right. But in a one-person show, I mean, it's just like, you. Yeah, it just feels so, so bare. <laughs> But I do think that the, the, the relationship with the audience is a huge part. Because you said the poet in, in, in this talks to the audience, speaks to the audience. 
Right. This is 100% direct address. He is specifically telling the story to this audience. Yeah. And that makes, to me, all the difference. It, it, like, I like what you're saying about uh, the you know, one man versus a, a multi-character play. Mm-hmm. You're, you've got relationships with the other people on stage, and that's what the audience is watching. And in this one-man show, this one specifically, or any show that's direct address that's talking to an audience, you are, you are substituting your character-to-character relationships with a relationship with the, the, the one character and the audience. So it's all about what you're doing with them, to them, for them, how they come along with you on the story. If you're doing a one-man show that's kind of fourth wall, where it's just a guy talking to an unknown, he's just talking to himself, or he's talking to someone who we don't see, there's not as much of a relationship with the audience there, and it's a very different character for the performance of what's happening. But if you're directly talking to the audience, that is your relationship. It's all about you and the audience members. And then you've got multiple audience members to interact with. So I can focus on one person, you know, front house center, and then I can focus on a person off to the side, and I get different things from those different people. Yeah. Well, and of course, I mean, not all audiences are the same. You get different, a diff- different feel from a different audience every single night. Yeah. Now, when I saw it, I saw it here at the Common Wheel, and I felt like the audience was like really, I mean, really engaged. Like, I felt like everybody was leaning forward and, and there, and I know that as an actor on stage, you can feel that. You can feel it. Did you have any... Um, audiences that were a little more laid back or did you did they all feel that intense because it is a pretty intense show it is the subject is pretty intense well <clears throat> at pedal pushers it was such a small space and we had you know literally only 26 seats laid out 27 i think for the first one you sold out your rent too, we you? sold out yeah that's easy to <laughs> that's sell big like hey yeah. <laughs> back by popular demand sold out sold run. out run yeah <laughs> they should just only do the iliad here <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't fail and that, that way, well, the, the circumstances of that uh, performance were such that uh, in the small room, and it was hot, it was, you know, it was August heat. Yeah. Uh, and there's so, li- there's so little else and so little space for anybody to kind of be in their own world in the audience. <laughs> I got to look at every single person in the audience and have a relationship with each one of them. And no one, there's nowhere to escape. And there literally was nowhere for anybody to escape because you'd have to go through the playing space to get to the stairs to go down to the restrooms. <laughs> so uh, we kind of had a captive audience yeah. really right there. So everybody was leaning forward. Was it whether, it whether it was because they had to go to the bathroom toward the end or not, I don't know. But they, they seemed to be like it was quiet and intense and engaged yeah. audience. That's good, you know. I mean, it, it it's is the what kind you of story. want. Yeah. <laughs> it is the kind of story that draws you in. I do feel like everybody has an experience with war in this country. I mean, we've we've been in a state of war for a long time in the country, and you know, our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation have all dealt with that. So I feel like everybody's really bringing something very personal to the script when they come and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I had people who came to see it more than once, and then people who came and saw it once and said they couldn't come back because it was so, it was so heavy and so intense. Not because mm. they didn't like it, they thought it was you know, a very strong performance, but they said, I just, I can't go through that experience again. Yeah. Which thought, wow, okay, <laughs> yeah. So that's somebody who's seeing it more for how it relates to them and their story and, and you know, their thoughts about warfare and their 
feelings and history about warfare in their lives versus seeing it as a piece of theater. Sure. The difference for us as actors is we go to see a piece of theater and it can be really intense and moving and have a great emotional arc. And we'll go see it again because we like having that experience and we marvel at and we admire the production. Mm -hmm. um, people who aren't as much theater goers as we are can can choose to have a different way to interact with it. And they can say, well, wow, that experience was so intense, I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Not, not it was bad, but it was like more than I can do on a regular basis. Or, you know, I haven't quite digested that first time. Right. You know, sometimes yeah. you go see a show and you're like, I don't know that I could sit through because I, I don't I haven't quite absorbed everything that I needed to absorb from that first time of seeing it because there's yeah. a lot in this play you know there's just a lot to take in as you're watching it yeah so, so you process things on a sort of a subconscious level for right, a while right, and, then, right. and then later come back and realize how you feel about a thing yeah yeah well uh, just to promote it one more time <laughs> it's a uh, a Sunday, two Sundays from now, January 19th at 1.30 p.m. And that's an Iliad by uh, Lisa Peterson and Dennis O'Hare. Ben Gorman playing the poet. <laughs> if you got some time, you should definitely come see it. Yeah, tickets are uh, available on the website. You can, you can buy them directly online or you can call in uh, at our 800 or local numbers and, and make a reservation and we'll... Uh, Put you in the, put you in the computer. Yeah. But it's here in in the Commonweal Main Auditorium. We will have pulled down the uh, set from the Christmas show, which is still <laughs> up right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, overlooking it right now as we're talking in the Queen's Wax. Although you know, this set would be. I don't know, that would be okay. What's great about the show is that it's adaptable to the space that it's in. A bare stage is fine, and then something behind it is fine. You remember when we did that one performance in the Commonweal? Uh, last August, the set was Boeing, was Boeing, Boeing in the background. <laughs> we just let the lights dim on the upper part of the stage, and I was down in the in the lower part of the stage, and it worked fine. You know, yeah. People were able to concentrate. For those of you who didn't see it, Boeing, Boeing was a pretty absurd farce. So uh, this intense play about war and an absurd farce background, it's a, it's a nice little contrast. There. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming and talking, Ben. And My glad pleasure. To get this podcast off its feet. And here's to many more. Yes. Let's do more. <laughs> more. Signing off. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. To buy tickets to an Iliad and to all the other wonderful Commonweal Theater shows, head to commonwealtheater.org. There you can buy tickets. You can check out our blog, Drama Unfolds. You can get yourself a season pass. For the 2020 season, buy some for your friends. There's still a few left. There's lots of great shows this year, and you won't want to miss a single one. Once again, I'm Josiah Laubenstein, and thanks so much for listening. 